All right. So helpful when we're doing a, uh, these sermons on big books, <laughs> just to get kind of this nice overview so that we can just focus in on parts of it. So Amos, when we show up on the scene here, the, the, like, like the video was talking about, we have this divided region, right? Judah in the south, Israel in the north. And we come on the scene. Um, if, you, if you're in like Amos 1, 2, and 3, um, it starts off with these patterns where we have this, this region that is just bursting at the seams with sin. And in fact, if you, if you read it, there's this pattern, there's this like literary device um, that Amos starts to use. And he says, um, you know, for three, uh, for three transgressions and for four. And what that does not mean is that they committed four sins, so you're done. Um, and it's not also a three-strike thing, but it's a, it's a device that's just saying for three, meaning just like, it is just complete. It is just full of sin, full of sin, and for four. So it's almost like the region is just experiencing complete sin, and it's just overflowing, and so much more. And this is what we show up with. And so, and so God says, all right, I'm going to call someone. And he calls this country bumpkin named Amos, to go up to Israel and go preach to these guys. So if we find ourselves with, with Israel in just so much sin, this, this, this deep-rooted problem, what are they supposed to be doing? Um, maybe just to take us back and remind ourselves, like, what was Israel supposed to be doing? Well, man, Israel was supposed to be like God's chosen people. And if you remember back to like promises that he gave Abraham, right? He was, God told Abraham, I will bless all the nations through you. So Israel was supposed to be blessing the nations through them. Even Moses, when he got the commandments and, and all these statutes and laws, um, Moses said to the Israelites, he's like, hey, when you follow these statutes, when you follow these laws, people are going to look at you guys and go, wow. How wise is this nation? How good is this nation? And thereby, how glorious is the God that they follow? This was supposed to be what Israel was doing. But of course, this is, this is not the case. And so Amos is called. And these two big things, these two big themes that we pull from the book of Amos um, is Amos comes to confront this false religion, this, this false worship. And he comes to confront these social issues that have cropped up because of it. And he believes they're inter interlinked. What's really easy to see, if you open the pages of Amos and you just start reading, it's only like nine chapters, and it's very easy to see what Israel is doing very wrong. <laughs> Extremely easy. The whole book is just judgment about what they are doing wrong, how they have fallen, and how God will bring judgment to them. But it's interesting, as, we, um, as you look through it, you can also actually tease apart what Israel is seeming to also be doing. Like, for instance, um, as you read through, it seems that Israel was, in fact, observing festivals. Sacrifices were being made, and songs of praise were being sung. Tithes were being given, and gatherings were taking place. However, and it's a really big however, <laughs> their hearts were so far from God. You see, the festivals that were being observed, 
Well, the people couldn't wait for them to be over so that they could sell grain and accumulate wealth again. Sacrifices and praise, yeah, they were making it to God, but they were also making it to all these other idols that they had filled the temples with. Money was certainly being given at the temple, but the problem was it was also being given to temple prostitutes where sexual morality was taking place right there. And yes, they gathered at the temple, but the problem was is these weren't the temples that God told them to gather at. That was supposed to be in Jerusalem. That's where God was dwelling. They were supposed to be sojourning to Jerusalem. And they weren't. They had set up these temples all over Israel. Um, Bethel's the one we find ourselves in with Amos primarily. Um, and they had set up a, this false priesthood and this false high priest just to kind of mirror what they were doing in Jerusalem. They were going through the motions and they thought they had God's protection. There's a, a phrase in the New Testament that I think could easily be applied to this. <laughs> you know, they were going through the motions, but they were whitewashed tombs. It was like you could, you could look at them, at least some of their stuff, and think, okay, they kind of got it together, but they were just dead inside. They were totally disconnected from the heart of God. And this was leading to all sorts of social issues. And as you explore Amos, um, he confronts them directly on this. He believed these were connected, that the false worship that they were um, participating in was leading to all sorts of injustice. The poor were being oppressed. They were being denied legal counsel. So if someone had a problem, if, if someone was taking advantage of someone and someone would cry out for help, no one was paying attention. They were being suppressed, in fact. And this ultimately is about loving our neighbor, which is we're not doing. And in fact, the rich kept getting richer off the backs of the oppression, stealing taxes. I mean, you name it. I mean, ultimately here, Amos ends up confronting the greatest commandments, which is love God and love others. And they were just weren't doing either of them. And I want to just pause here for a second. I think sometimes we can um, forget to... It can almost be abstract when we read this in the Bible and we think, like, how does this, how does this really apply to us now? Like, you know, this is the Israelites. They were a wacky bunch of people sometimes. Um, but man, like... If I read to you, festivals were being observed, sacrifices were being made. There's just a hair's breadth under the surface of those good things where it just started to look dead. And so what about us? I mean, we, we observe festivals. Easter, Christmas. You know, do we celebrate those for the food and free vacation time? Do we grumble about the busyness and then attend church out of obligation? Do we give money and time to our hobbies and sports more so than to prayer, fasting, scripture reading? Do we quietly sing songs on autopilot during worship, but we give our full attention and adoration at a Dua Lipa concert? Not calling out anything. <laughs> the point is, Let's make sure that we are loving God with our hearts, not our traditions. 
I've said it again. When we come to a place like this, let's love God with our hearts, not our traditions, not the things that are comfortable. And another challenge on, on the social front, let's bring this into us again. If we plucked up all the Christians from our city, even closer to home, let's say we plucked up all the Christians from your neighborhood, would the vulnerable and oppressed even notice? Would they notice? So I just want us to think on and strive to live out our faith, loving the ones who need it most. And this should flow out of loving God with our hearts. So why did, uh, why did God choose Amos? Did he have a particular set of skills? <laughs> if only I remember the rest of that quote. <laughs> did he have a gift? Did he have influence possibly in, in, uh, in Israel? Like, why Amos? We actually find out a little bit about him um, because at some point he, he walks into Bethel and this big old false high priest, Amaziah, comes after him. And he goes after him and he's like, hey, you, professional prophet, go back to Judah, go make your money there by prophesying. Um, because at the time there were professional prophets, there was like a school of, of prophets. And Amos goes, whoa, I am far from a professional prophet. We go on to learn that he was a shepherd. He dressed sycamore fig trees, very niche market. <laughs> so we find out that Amos is this country bumpkin who is preaching to these rich, powerful urbanites, and he faces persecution for it. You know, God chooses who he will. He chooses ordinary people, eh? And then he equips them. And when I start to look at, you know, Amos, when we start to see this, um, man, Jesus encountered all the same stuff and took on the same issues. He went after the religious elite. He tackled the false religion at the time. He went to the poor and the needy and the oppressed. He comforted them and he healed them. And he chastised the rich for, for you know, causing more and more oppression as well. And he himself ultimately was persecuted and ended up dying on a cross for it. You know, we should expect to encounter and take on the same issues as we read through many of these books of the prophet, especially Amos, because that's where we find ourselves today. And it might be hard as we read through and you just say, how am I supposed to minister? How am I supposed to evangelize like Amos and Jesus? These are big hitters, especially Jesus. I mean, he's God. <laughs> but how am I supposed to do that? I have no particular skills. It seems like these guys had it together. And it seems like they had some like crazy calling. How do I go toe to toe with the smartest people who have a lot of really good answers to a lot of smart questions in a hostile environment sometimes? I mean, that's certainly where Amos found himself. Well, I really want to remind us about a few things here and just encourage us because the same 
spirit that Amos found himself with. Same spirit that filled the prophet Amos lives in us today. When you're thinking to yourself, who am I to go toe-to-toe with this person? I'm not enough. I'm not trained. You're right. You're not enough. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm not enough at all to even get here and preach about it. But we're equipped by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. I mean, John 16 talks about how the Holy Spirit is one that convicts the world of sin. So you don't have to worry about that part. (laughs) Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit gives his power to witness. John 16, 13 and 14. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that guides us. What if you say, well, I'm not really smart enough. I would put, certainly put myself in that category. And as far as wisdom is concerned, fear of the Lord is a great place to start. Proverbs 9 talks about that, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you're like, what is the fear of the Lord? I'll just give you a little synopsis. Tim Keller puts it like this. He says, to fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder before the greatness of God and his love. It means that because of his bright holiness and magnificent love, you find him fearfully beautiful. That is why the more we experience God's grace and his forgiveness, the more we experience a trembling awe and wonder before the greatness of God of all that he is and has done for us. Fearing him means bowing before him out of amazement at his glory and his beauty. So hey, it's a great place to start, (laughs) the fear of the Lord. And if you're not convinced of one and two, well, guess what? He uses the foolish to shame the wise, and I certainly bear the mantle of fool proudly. (laughs) It's 1 Corinthians, right? 1 Corinthians 1, 20. God chooses what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And um, of course, Amos' story comes to mind, but um, also a New Testament story comes to mind. It's a particular one where Peter and John, um, this is after Jesus has died and resurrected, and they have this ministry in Jerusalem. And they're preaching Christ crucified, raised from the dead. And a bunch of this religious elite got together and they're like, hey, these guys have got to stop doing that. This is really bad for business. So they pluck them from the streets and uh, they bring them before them. And I want you to put yourself there. And the best way I can do that is to maybe bring up just just some, some comparisons of possibly today. You see, Peter and John were from Galilee. They would have had a particular accent on them. They were uneducated fishermen. Without throwing any shade on certain things, you could, you could typify them almost like the southern hillbilly, okay? And we could almost typify these Sanhedrin folk as these Oxford professors, very regal, very established, multiple PhDs, right? And these two hillbillies come in front of these Oxford PhDs. And it says... Peter was filled with the Spirit. And he just began to preach Christ crucified to them. And he testified to Jesus. And he testified actually to this man that was just healed. And it says, 
when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's incredible to me. I want to be, I want to be marked like that. When people look at me, I, I would just love that to come through. And they let them go in, and they told them not to speak anymore, which they totally ignored. <laughs> um, but man, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we have. It's quite a, a burden to know the latest philosophical arguments of our time, to go head-to-head with some of the strongest minds of our culture. When we think about some friends, it's like, oh, I don't really want to get into a debate with them. I don't really want to... There's a lot of fear about sharing the gospel. But it seems to me that this is just about preaching Christ crucified. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians... It talks about how preaching Christ crucified, is, it's going to be a stumbling block for many. It's going to be folly. It's going to be foolish for many people. But for those who are called, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. And for me, that is a relief because I don't walk into conversations with my friends. So I, I want to encourage you, for, for those who might be scared to share you don't feel like you know enough. You don't feel like you're wise enough. Preach Christ crucified. That's all we need to do. That is all we need to do. It's, it's not complicated. By loving God and loving others, it will be hard, but God will be with us. And that seems to still be our call. So... Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, um, that's what I kind of wanted just to leave us with. And I, and I wanted to um, just leave us with 1 Peter 4.11, um, which um, it goes like this. It says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So as you go out into the week, may I just encourage you, it doesn't take someone special to share the message of Jesus Christ. The truth is on our side. The Holy Spirit equips us for everything. So go with boldness, the same boldness that Peter and John have that astonish this group of PhDs. <laughs> you have that inside you. And what I also um, would say is, let's go into our week and not forget the poor and the downtrodden because we can pay a lot of lip service to God in these moments here and in our week. But if we're not loving the poor, if we're not loving the oppressed, we're missing half of the greatest commandment to us. And that's not right. 
True worship should end up in justice. And also for those who might be suffering with debt or those who might come from poverty. Man, I just hope that this church body could lift you up. I really do. And I just, I just pray that, um, I just pray that we become a community that is so knit together that within our small groups, we're talking about this stuff and we're not afraid to share. When we're going through a weak moment, financially, physically, whatever it may be, I don't want to live a fake experience. I don't want to go through the motions without the heart. And so I just, I just pray that if, if number one, if, if you are poor, oppressed, downtrodden, number one, Jesus is for you in so many ways. He is so for you. And I also pray and know that this church is for you. And I pray that you come talk to the elders because we would love to help you and walk alongside you. Talk to people in your community groups. Let us share our lives with one another. And that's where I'll leave us with today. So um, that's Amos, guys. And uh, let's, let's just pray as we, as we maybe close and then, uh, and then we can go grab some coffee and just, and just talk. You got to just... Um, Thank you so much that uh, you said you had to leave so that you could, you had to ascend to heaven so that you could leave your spirit with us, Lord God. And I just thank you for that gift. I thank you that we can walk in boldness through life, Lord God. That in our weakness, your strength shows abundantly more, Lord God. I just pray that a bunch of weak people here could use your strength and be emboldened by it, Lord God, so that you may be glorified through every single thing that we do. Lord God, when we talk to friends, when we talk to family, Lord, I just ask that, um, Lord, that you would equip us with the words, that you would be our guide in spirit and in truth. And Lord God, that we would do our part as well and that we would fear you and that that would bring about wisdom, Lord God. But Lord, help us to remember the simple truth that we preach Christ crucified. It's as simple as that. Thank you for dying on the cross. And thank you for conquering death three days later, Lord God, so that we can have a hope everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much, bro. Just before we head out, um, I do want to just underline that last invitation that kind of sneakily came through in the end, you know? It's like, uh, it was like we were landing, it's like, oh, here he is, he's back, he's, he's exhorting us. So thanks for that, bro. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, as a South African, someone who, I mean, we've just spent three weeks uh, in South Africa, in our, in our home country, and to see... Um, 
injustice and poverty. I mean, it's, it's like, it, it's its own challenges in, in South Africa. You can just grow super numb to it because it's just everywhere, you know. And yet, we, we, I'm just sharing my personal experience. It might be uh, limited, naive, whatever it is, it is mine, okay? <laughs> to, to, to see uh, poverty and injustice, you actually have to kind of look for it, I find. Like, in, in our suburban context, to, um, to kind of find the downtrodden or, or to just to be aware of them, you actually have to sometimes go and find them. Um, and I want to encourage you within your community groups that meet in certain contexts, number one, to perhaps go and find where in your surrounding areas there, there are real need and opportunities to show mercy and to do justice. Um, because I think if we just carry on, you know, from sort of garage to Costco, Costco to, you know, being in basket and then being in basket back at home, whatever, you know, I'm just saying it's easy for us to just kind of, you know, be okay. And forget that there are others who, who are not okay. And we, um, you, we have, a, we have the, uh, the plumbing, let me put it that way. We have the pipes, the infrastructure for the resources of God to flow in and through us. And you, are, you live in areas, you work in areas, you play in areas that I don't work, live, and play in. And so it, it, it cannot be just up to our leadership team. In fact, we, we planted in, you know, as a church office in Old Kingston Road, and we do our very best to serve that community. But not everybody lives, works, and play over there either. Like, we, are, we have people that live in Scarborough all the way into Oshawa. And so there are all these areas that you are living in. And you can be an Amos. You know, let's, let's stick with a brief. And, and, and I want you to have the courage to to actually speak to us as a church, our leaders, so that we could know where there are needs and actually channel our resources and come up with initiatives or support you in your initiatives. But it's not fair for you, for you to perhaps think that, ah, there's a group of people, they'll come up with the ideas and I'll just throw money at it if the idea comes. We're actually, we're saying there's, there, there, more can be done, right? So I, I, I do want to leave you with that as like a bit of a commission. You know, we haven't done a proper commission for a while. Um, especially as we head into Thanksgiving and then we find ourselves with Christmas on our doorstep. We can do things in Jesus' name, those kinds of things. So, you know, you've got a couple of weeks. There's your brief. You know, think about it um, and let's see if we can come up with something um, or notice what the Lord wants us to know. He's already at work, I believe. It's, we're going to make something happen. God's already at work and we're going to get in line with what He's doing. Is that okay? Sweet. Okay. Yes, you may share something, Edwina. Thank you for sharing that, Corey and Vic. Um, a short while ago, Samantha, who's part of our community group, and Dylan uh, came and uh, shared, Samantha came and shared with us that as she was walking down the street, coming out of a shop on uh, Harwood, she... Um, noticed a whole lot of homeless people camped outside and her heart was touched and she went across and talked to the to the people and just said hello and you know why are they here and and, and they chatted and she said it's getting cold what do you need and and so they needed clothes they needed t uh, sleeping bags they needed warm clothes 
And she called Dylan and they both chatted with them and said, we'll come back again. They brought food and took it to the homeless people. And then she came and told us in the group. And it was an excellent opportunity for all of us to pull together. She still, we don't want to overwhelm the people, but we, we said she would be the spokesperson and she would come and, and let us know. So there was an opportunity, but that was a great example of being easily touched with somebody's situation, you know? And so that was great. Now, in contrast to that, I'm embarrassed, but uh, <laughs> a few weeks before that, I was walking out on the street uh, on a back road just off Salem. And I was just taking a walk, and as I walked, I saw an area, deserted area behind a hotel, and it had a tent, and it had a lot of like junk around and, and clothes hanging, and, and I feel terrible, but I crossed the road and said, oh gosh, I'm all alone, you know? <laughs> I crossed the road onto the other side, and I walked off, and I said, maybe I shouldn't walk here alone. And I just thought about the difference between Samantha's heart being touched, you know, with the people, with the state of the people, and my heart being afraid and walking away. And then God spoke to me after Samantha shared and showed me the difference. So I just wanted to encourage us to keep our hearts tender and soft and, and to keep our ears open and our eyes open because there are people who are in great need everywhere.